Hey everybody, how's it going? It is Friday, January 15th, 2021, and you're listening to a new episode of What's Up With Danny. Today's guest is none other than Luke Dean from Grand Rapids, Michigan. You may know him as uh, Vagabonds, the musical artist from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, Yeah, I say that like everybody that listens to this podcast isn't from Michigan. Like I need to be specific about Michigan. Uh, but yeah, this is a great conversation. Uh, Luke's a great person. I uh, I met him through music, known him a while now. Real real talented guy, real hard worker. Uh, you know, he he uh, has been able to do a lot in music, um, and I think I really admire him for that. Uh, we cover a lot in this episode. You know, we talk about how we got to start in music, uh, being a part of the Grand Rapids music scene, uh, the hardcore scene, religion and his music, um, his songwriting, some bands that he believes in that uh, he thinks show, shows promise in the within the music scene. Uh, we talk about touring, some of his fondest memories, uh, the emotional side of his songwriting. Uh, we cover a, a pretty good amount of stuff in this uh, episode. It was great to talk to Luke. Um, yeah, I wish I had posted this episode sooner. I feel like it's a little late in the day, but you know, sometimes you get home from work and you fall asleep unexpectedly and you don't get to post the episode for two hours after you mean to post it. So my apologies on that. If anybody was thinking about listening to a podcast two hours ago and had to wait until now, um, but yeah, it's a good episode. I hope I'm selling it enough in this intro for you. Um, but yeah, check out Vagabonds. There's a link to Vagabonds Bandcamp in the bio for this episode. Uh, email danny.bruick.shows at gmail.com. That is also in the bio. Uh, if you have any comments or questions or suggestions uh, for the podcast, you know, make sure you rate, review, subscribe, all that junk. Share it with a friend. Share it with a person that you visit in prison. If you visit a person in prison, uh, share it with a person you see at the store. Just make sure you're wearing a mask when you share it with them. Uh, Yeah, share it with your grandmother if you still have your grandmother. And you should consider yourself very lucky if you still have your grandmother. You should call her every day and tell her you love her. Because I don't have my grandmothers and I miss them. That got really sad. I didn't mean for it to get so sad there for a second. I'm just riffing. Uh, but yeah, and uh, new episodes will be out next week. I got a couple that I'm going to be doing during the week. Um, and I'll probably just put those out the next day just to keep the energy going. 50 episodes this year. That's the goal. I think this is number three. Um, yeah, enjoy the episode, everybody. Have a great weekend. Yeah, it's funny you you mentioned that because I, I've actually had people who've been on that once they went through and listened to their episode, uh, that they they were like, oh, I never realized how often I say things like er and ah and um and things like that, and and I always find that charming, in a way, like just because that's just how people talk, you know, like we throw yeah right, er, right. ers and ahs and ums and things like that in our sentences. And it's just yeah. sort of this natural thing, but we don't think about it until we're forced to listen to ourselves talk. 
Right. And, and then you're just like, oh, wow. I, or even the word like, you know, right. like how often you say it in a sentence without thinking about it, you know? Yeah, I've, I've become painfully aware. I've kind of made a point to not listen back to podcasts I'm on because then I get a little bit too self-conscious. It's oh, like very, yeah. it's very unlike the other parts of the music process where you can do a take as many times as you want so that then when it's put out you can sound how you want to be presented but right. uh it's like a, a different kind of art form doing podcasts yeah yeah i found like I, this is uh i'm going into year three which is wild honestly i can't believe like it's yeah, awesome yeah t- time's been flying on this and it's always been fun but i i've i definitely i've gotten a little less conscious about what i've said and more so just like well I guess if I said it, why, why would I feel weird about it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's a good way to look at it too. Yeah. It's definitely, it's forced me to just be okay with what I've said in my life, I guess. But, um, yeah, but yeah, again, I know I already said it before we started recording, but thank you for doing this. Uh, I'm very happy to talk to you. Happy to see it's been a minute. I don't really know. I can't think of the last time I even, I'm assuming it was probably at a show or somewhere in Grand Rapids somewhere. Yeah. I, I really can't remember maybe at like what, when was the last blood fest? Was that? Oh yeah. That would have been been since then. Yeah. That might've been it last spring. Yeah. Last May. That might've been the last time I saw you. Yeah. Wild time flies, especially now when it really seems non-existent. Um, Yeah. It's just a blur. Yeah. So, well, let's, I guess, speaking of the time, let's start out with that. What have you been doing to sort of keep yourself busy during this uneasy pandemic time? Um, I got back into skating, which I think was like the biggest positive uh, of this kind of off year. Um, So there was a a skate park built downtown. So um, that was something I'd been waiting to happen uh, literally since I was like nine years old. Um, so to see that happen just made me really excited and made me want to get down there a lot more again. Nice. Um, and it was also like one of the only like truly safe, like carefree things I could do, um, where I didn't have to worry about anything pandemic related. Like I could even just street skate and, uh, you know, be in my own little, corner of like a stair set behind a building where nobody else will be uh and uh kind of fell back in love with something that um kind of was a gateway to music but that i just really loved as its own thing uh like when i was younger up until like high school and then i kind of dropped off a little bit more yeah do you what so you think do you think that skating did lead you sort of down the path of music i'm sure there's probably many things that probably contributed to it but do you think that had a play in it Yeah, there's, like you said, like, there's so many things that kind of nudged me Mm -hmm. towards finding uh, DIY or hardcore. Um, Skateboarding, I think, is one of the most prominent ones, um, just because it was so linked. Like, it was always, like, the the background soundtrack to, like, going to the skate park or street skating, and someone would bring out, you know, like, an old, like, CD player and actually put in CDs or... Um, you know, that's, that's how I first started hearing about bands that I liked was through skateboarding, 
because I really didn't have any social media. Like this was like during MySpace times and okay. I didn't have one. Um, and so my one of the main introductions was just, you know, older kids in my neighborhood uh, playing CDs and me asking what it was and then going to Wikipedia to read about the bands on there. Nice. Isn't it, to sort of sidetrack a little bit, isn't it kind of wild how uh, we're, we're, we are still sort of part of that generation that knows about the new technologies of today, but then still we, we were listening to CDs. Like, like how many yeah. people do you think are listening to a CD right now? Or even like we, we, got, we got the full blast of cassette to CD and now it's, it's, you know, streaming aux cable type thing, you know, like yeah. that, that hearing you talk about that made me think about how common it was to sort of just chill with a, a radio or a boom box or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I remember like being in the fifth grade and finding, you know, one other kid who just liked music, didn't even like you know, punk in any traditional sense or anything, but just liked music. So we would bring cds like stacks of cds and swap them in the hallway nice um you know which is so different from now where i feel like there's a lot of um you know clawing for like digital attention and digital mm -hmm. proof that people are listening but um yeah i mean i miss finding music that way mm -hmm. not that i don't appreciate spotify and things like that where like I found a lot of bands I love that way too, but mm -hmm. um, I do miss like that, like trading CDs aspect oh, yeah. of it. Or even making a mixed CD or like a yeah. mixtape for somebody. Whereas now, you know, I guess you can send somebody a playlist, but still. Right. Yeah. I Like the computer I have, I can't even burn a CD on it anymore. Like there's no wow. drive for it. <laughs> yeah. And now that seems like, I, I feel like there was a time where you wouldn't buy a computer if it didn't come with that you know and now it seems standard you know what I mean totally dude even on like the first Vagabonds tours I didn't have pro CDs I was literally burning CDs and putting them into like uh lunch bags like those those brown lunch bags that oh, are about yeah. the size of a CD and then folding them and drawing the art on each individual one which was painstaking um but again the, you know there's kind of something that charmed and very real about that too yeah yeah i found that with the like merch that i would buy from a band it's something that was more had like a homemade feel where you could tell like maybe it took them a while but it the that time and effort sort of made you appreciate it that much more you know yeah yeah for sure all right so let's let's start with the music conversation that's typically yeah. how it starts i always ask when how'd you get your start in music that's usually what breaks the ice on these okay uh so let's start with that. How what what led to you being in music? Did it was it always vagabonds or does it did it start out as something different? Yeah, tracing getting into music is kind of an interesting story for me cuz I always felt really uh like emotionally moved by it in an almost uncomfortable way like as a kid um I remember just uh, hearing songs in like choir practice or uh, that, you know, teachers at school would play and they would like really move me like, um, like almost to tears, which, which 
it's not embarrassing to say, but it's just different. Mm. And I would, I remember like kind of looking around the class and just being like, is this, is this normal? Like, am I supposed to be like this? You know, you're less like aware of yourself and how you react to things. And I just remember being like super, super moved and having a huge connection with music before I even thought about playing. And then eventually I would start bringing like uh, cassette tapes of songs that I would sing uh, into a tape recorder to my music teacher mm. uh, at my elementary school who would then like write uh, piano parts to accompany what I was singing. So I think that is kind of like an interesting kind of different way to get started. And I, I now think of that as like my true beginning as being a musician. And it's, it's not too different from what I do now. Um, you know, writing melodies and lyrics and then bringing them to the table and kind of working with different collaborators to make them real. Um, but as far as like playing in bands, um, I really wanted to play bass for some reason hmm. around like the fourth or fifth grade. And the closest I could get to that was playing cello in uh, the school's orchestra. So my first instrument was cello, um, which I directly picked so that I could learn bass from there because it was lower and had four strings, even though they're different strings. I thought I would translate easily. And then that kind of made way for me to uh, buy a bass with my paper out money, like a really cheap uh, Squire Bronco bass. And I started playing in uh, a worship band of the church I was going to at the time. Um, and this was also kind of like during Christ Corps. So uh, this was, you know, tooth and nail bands were really big. So I think that helped it be accessible for me to listen to because um, typically that style of music wouldn't be something I would have been um, allowed to listen to in my household. Like I remember having other CDs and like my mom getting the lyric books in her hands to them, the ones that weren't like Christian tooth and nail releases, the ones that were like secular mm. um, and her being like, you're not gonna listen to this. But there was always that way that I could if they were tooth and nail bands like Under Oath and things like that. So that all kind of pushed me, you know, into uh, playing more and like kind of being allowed to explore that musical creativity kind of more in a religious context. And then from there, I uh, played in like some, you know, middle school cover bands like everybody does. And then uh, joined like my first band, tried to do anything when I was 13. We put out an EP and uh, played some shows and things like that when I was like 14, like in between the eighth grade and going into freshman year. Okay. Um, so that was, maybe that's long-winded, but that's like the start. That's kind of like when I think back, those are like the vivid steps that kind of set me up early on to kind of be on the track that I'm on. Right on. What were some of the venues and like uh, spaces that you would play at when in those gigs initially? It was such weird oddball stuff. Like we played a show at the Click Bowling Alley. You hmm. know, that spot, it's like the northwest side of Grand Rapids. And I think I've only other, 
ever heard of like one other band that played a show there. Hmm. Uh, and now I just go there to bowl <laughs> as an adult. Um, but we played there and uh, we would play kind of like general public gigs. So things like Festival of the Arts. Okay. And um, it was like a music festival at the Wealthy Street Theater in Grand Rapids that we would play. Uh, things like Celebration on the Grand or like the 4th of July fireworks. Like we played like all those kinds of like general public things and like a few DIY shows, but it was more so just those kinds of things, which is kind of, I don't know if that's an odd place to start or not. Um, but then, then after that band, uh, I guess kind of during that, I joined another band with some other friends of mine, which was... Um, kind of metalcore band, kind of a post-hardcore band. Um, and that's when I started playing, like, I would say, like, real DIY shows or, you know, metalcore shows and hardcore shows and things like that. Right on. Um, and that, that was when I was 14 as well. So that's when I kind of, like, became more of a participant in the scene, whereas before I had gone to places like, uh, you remember the five one? It was on Leonard. Uh in Grand Rapids for some I don't think I ever went there but for some reason that that sounds familiar like I've heard someone talk about it before maybe like that yeah. vaguely sounds familiar yeah it was probably around in like this might be off but like 06 somewhere oh, around there right or maybe like a year and it was like in an old YMCA so okay. um, places like that were around that I would like drop into before I started like participating in it by like booking or playing mm -hmm. um and just you know like church shows were like really big too I feel like there were a lot more like churches mm -hmm. uh hosting shows around then too so um maybe I'm deviating a little bit but yeah that's kind of like what was around at the time mm -hmm. and then after I got out of that like kind of general public band it was playing like Smashing Pumpkins covers um that's when I started playing like punk shows. Right on. Now, one thing I kind of want to uh, talk about for just a bit, and then we can work back into uh, what we've been talking about. But I, oh, I'm interested in hearing because if, if you're saying, you know, circa 26, or I always say 26, but that sounds weird. It doesn't seem <laughs> to make sense. 2006, 2007. That's about the time I started going to shows in Muskegon and getting more mm. involved in like the Muskegon music community. You yeah growing up in Grand Rapids, um, what were some of the, just out of my own curiosities, this might be boring for the listener, but uh, what were some of the bands and like, what was sort of that reflection of that scene at the time? Because it, like when we'd have carryover from Grand Rapids into Muskegon, it was bands like, you know, La Dispute, mm -hmm. um, Victor Fix the Sun, yeah. uh, K-Line, um, yeah. Band, you know, bands like that that would come through uh, and play in Muskegon, ran, random church shows, things like that. Um, what were what were some of those shows like in Grand Rapids? Yeah, I think uh, one of the first like underground, quote unquote, underground shows I went to was when I was in the seventh grade. I went to see K-Line hmm. uh, at, um, I think it had just become the mixtape it was still on division oh, okay um and that show was them and i think one of the earlier bang up shows do you remember that band oh, yeah yeah we were like that kind of rock and roll two-piece they were pretty mm -hmm. cool 
Yeah. And then uh, the band I was there for, though, was This Guy's Revolt. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Which was a pretty big one for me, which is, you know, if, like Rusty or Nate or anybody, you know, or Dave, or if anybody like that listens to this now, whatever. But that was a big one for me. You know, like they were they were kind of the band that I really liked making it out of Grand Rapids, mm-hmm. going to play Cornerstone and going on tour. Um and just being really creative, I remember they had like really cool, quirky music videos, and uh, yeah, I th- I think Sky's Revolt was a big one. Still remains was other like another big one for me in middle school. Um, yeah, just just bands that were you know pretty much from the neighborhood, uh, that I would hear about until I looked them up on the internet or got a CD from like the local section of uh, the GRPL library. And uh, and then th- those bands were like my introduction to heavy music, probably before any of the bands that influenced them. They were just the ones that were like in reach, just because of who I knew, or like my mom's friends' kids mm. were in those bands. Um, so yeah, still remains Sky's Revolt, K Line, like all that kind of like mid to late two thousands Grand Rapids stuff. Um, I still jam it. Like, I still think some of that stuff's sick. Nice. Yeah, I actually, uh, hearing you say some of those bands was actually uh, fun. I, I hadn't, I haven't thought about the Sky's Revolt in a long time, which is unfortunate because I remember being a teenager and just loving that band every time I saw them or if they would play Muskegon or something. Oh yeah, this is my cat. He's going to jump up a few times, probably. He'll sit in on the conversation. What's uh, his name? Uh, Lil Sebastian. But, uh, but yeah, I, I've always found just from being, you know, sort of uh, adjacent to the Grand Rapids scene that I've always appreciated. It, it feels like it in the, you know, more than a decade now that I've been involved in music, it hasn't really ever died. You know what I mean? There's always something there. And I've always like, there's a perseverance there to keep music alive that I really have always appreciated and respected. Yeah. Um, what now with you know, going to shows and starting to see more bands and uh, being in bands yourself, when when did it sort of click for you that you were like, oh yeah, this this is something for me, you know? When, when did that sort of hit, hit your brain? I would say it was in the fifth or sixth grade was when I really, really got hooked up or like, I guess like fixated on the idea of being in a band like before I was ever even in a band I just kind of like really wanted to be like I was taking sharpies and like drawing band shirts on blank white shirts and like making up fake lineups of you know people that didn't ex- like uh just kind of living in this like childish you know make-believe world of being like yeah this is the thing i want to do i think like watching life on the murder scene like the the my chemical romance documentary that came out around then was really huge for me too because it kind of showed like life on the road and i was like that just seemed like the coolest thing to me Mm -hmm. um and uh i mean there were a lot of bands that i played in that i didn't really have a lot of fun in (laughs) but I still just felt 
so compelled to do it even when i when i like wasn't having a good time i still just like wanted to play um so i don't know if there was like a specific moment when it clicked it just kind of kind of happened around the fifth or sixth grade that i was just like this is just what i want to do and there were like a couple moments maybe in high school where i would be having like like depressive episodes and i'd like sell all my gear and be like you know i'm not gonna do this anymore like i failed my ship has passed like just like really unhealthy defeatist thinking Mm -hmm. but then i'd snap back and then i'd join the next band and that band would be a little bit better than the one i had been in before and a few more people would come out to the shows um so it was always what i wanted to do like there wasn't like another career path or whatever that i really ever uh wanted to follow as much as i wanted to follow music Hmm. nice now with that sort of like how you're saying you know you you come to the next band and it's a little bit better like these these thoughts of discouragement like where you you know you'd sell your gear and then realize oh maybe this is something i want to do was there ever a point where you were in bands where you you know you'd be in the band and then you wouldn't it wouldn't come to that so so to speak like you would be like oh wait no i'm gonna be in this band this is fun like what what sort of brought you into feeling like the 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 ship had sort of gotten to the place where you were at where you wanted to play and you were having fun and it wasn't shifting you into this like oh i don't like this anymore you know yeah i i think when i started doing vagabonds I think that's when I really felt like I was starting to settle into my my own self uh, with music. Um, I I guess maybe like a band before that called Mayberry that I was in. We were like a mixtape. You know, we would play the mixtape in places like that a lot mm-hmm. when I was like 15. That was fun. It wasn't very serious, but I had a good time with it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think when I started doing vagabonds it just like felt really different um and had a different hold on me um you know it was my first time singing in a band i like never sang in front of people before that it was the first time that it was like my own songs instead of kind of just like bouncing riffs back and forth until it became a song mm-hmm. um yeah it, it just felt different in it the reaction was also really different like right off the bat people in grand rapids were super super encouraging of what i was doing um but i mean i started this in senior year of high school so like in a very different format but i started using the name when i was in high school and uh yeah it it became like a uh, i think a healthier therapeutic thing um for me to like get my thoughts out and work out what was going on inside of me and uh just kind of felt like something i didn't want to take out of the equation of how i live after that right on was was there a period of time where it took you to sort of get comfortable like like i i know as a songwriter i've i think i found sort of my my footing as where as what i my sound is or what i how i like to write but there there's still like maybe that little bit of me that when I write a song, I'm a little bit nervous to bring it 
to the table like with a band or record it and put it out into the world you know like do you do you have you do you still get that as a songwriter or was there is there been a peak where you're kind of just like no i'm i'm confident in what i'm writing you know Ooh, that's a good question uh man i think i still get that way like I still like pull from so many different things of what I like. Now, I I think I've gotten a lot more comfortable with like my writer's voice. I think that's one thing I've settled into where um when I started singing for Vagabonds, it's always been like pretty like hard on my sleeve kind of stuff, especially when I was younger and uh was having like kind of a more visceral reaction to the world and uh it was i think i almost felt embarrassed sometimes of like what i was saying but it was like good for me to get it out in the same way like there were things that i would like cringe at that i was saying because they were like so dark or um just not the kind of things you like want to admit about like self-view um but that also kind of shifted as my self my self-view is shifted and now i'm like a lot more comfortable with who i am as a person and um especially as like an independent person like i think i used to feel really self-conscious about like what my family would think if they heard the things I was writing about um, or being worried about like feeling like I had like failed people for like writing songs about like how much I was struggling with depression. You know, like I was like scared of like what people would think. But now I understand that uh, even if I do write things like that, which I don't as much, but even if I do like it's all part of the experience and it's not anything unique to me that I have struggled with those things. Like it's such a, a normal human experience. And, uh, I think I've gotten a lot more comfortable being able to like say really personal things in songs without cringing, I guess. What, Does that what, answer the question? I think, yeah, I think so. Okay. I, under I understand what you mean uh what what do you think that now now when you mentioned you know your your feelings and your you know your changing of your self-worth what what role do you think music played in that in general like do you think do you feel as though maybe your views in in your own self wouldn't have gotten to where they are today without music or it might have taken a different path oh you yeah yeah i i think i uh have found music to be like the way to get out all the things that bottle up and like if I don't write songs like I still get grumpy you know like if I'm like not continually letting that outlet flow and it's it's definitely been like an empowering thing to me for like um you know uh myself you and like understanding that like yeah maybe some people will sing back the words because like 
they just like the song and it's whatever and they don't even think about it. But I think a lot of, you know, a lot of people have told me like that they feel similarly and it's kind of been like a form of solace to, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm answering this question super well. Um, I, I get what you mean. Yeah. Now, I, I had uh, Greg Gordon on recently uh, to talk about music and things. And, and one of the questions that I had asked him was if, if he ever sort of felt strange because the music that he wrote was under his own name. And so like, you know, I, I, what I was curious was about if there's some sort of personality clash there where people are expectant of him to be his, his musicianship rather than who he is. Now, now you're in a similar situation that you write your own songs and you perform them, you know, primarily, you know, alone. But is there, is there sort, does that sort of carry over into being vagabonds? Like how much of that, like how much on stage when you're vagabonds, are you also Luke Dean? And how much uh, when you're Luke Dean, are you vagabonds? Does that make sense? Is that like? Yeah, I think it used to be a little bit too closely linked, mm -hmm. uh, honestly. Like, I think um, I didn't have, when I started this, you know, I was 17, I didn't have as healthy of, like, a separation between, like, what my art is, what my artistic outlet is, and, like, who I am. Um, and where music did, like, help me become, like, a more confident and healthy person, I think at some point, especially after my full length came out in 2017 i kind of started separating a little bit more um and i had always kind of wanted that i'd always wanted this to be like kind of a band which is why i called it a band name even though it's never like traditionally been a band um but yeah i i think i let it um be a little bit more creative now and a little bit less strictly like 100% me every single thing I'm singing is exactly who I am and uh you know like now I'll, I'll write like some fictional songs and things like that which has been a way for me to escape from wrapping too much of myself or like too much of my life's personal details up into the music mm. um and uh yeah I mean for for the view of it from other people I never really know how I'm viewed. I just kind of do my thing and put things out and hope that, uh, you know, that that people accept it in whatever way they do. But I do think some people view it as like Luke is Vagabonds and Vagabonds is Luke. Mm. Um, like people that don't know me, I guess. Um, because I think the music is like, generally pretty serious too and i'm kind of a quieter serious person generally but i'm also just a dummy <laughs> like you know i'm not like just having these crazy cathartic experiences and you know being like in some like existential crisis all the time like it all just kind of goes in that box that I call vagabonds and that's how I can deal with it 
in a healthy way. Whereas when I started, it was kind of all, there wasn't really a separation. It was all that. You know, I was young. I was still figuring it out. I was figuring out how to balance, uh, you know, my mind and my creative pursuit. And, like, even being in front of people was something new. Like, being someone who even, like, talks into a microphone instead of just, like, plays bass in the back, you know? Do you ever feel like you need to, so say you're playing a show and it's just you up on stage and you, you have the audience, you know, in front of you. Is there, is there moments like in between your songs where you need, you feel as though you'd need to sort of create this flow or this, um, this feeling within your set? I, you know, I, I see some solo artists who are really, really great at you know, in between their songs, they sort of maybe tell a story or they they kind of wrap you in with this meaningful, you know, monologue style, uh, you know, sort of breaking the song. Is there, do you, do you think about that a lot? Like how you're going to present yourself in between songs or like on stage to sort of keep the flow or fit this type? Or do you kind of just wing it and you go out there and sort of let what happens happen like what 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 do you feel yeah i kind of just like tap into a different headspace kind Mm -hmm. of all together like a different facet of my being and uh just kind of let it flow and play to the room like Mm -hmm. that's that's almost always my thing is like reading the people in front of me excuse me reading the the people's faces or things that i you know i play like generally small rooms like i'm not playing arenas or something i can hear what people are saying in front of me and you know i i try to kind of uh conversate and play off of what's going on in the room or what's going on in the world um sometimes i'll i'll think about it you know it's it's almost like very different from now because I only got to play like a couple shows within you know like the very beginning of 2020 mm. so um sometimes I'll like be on tour and have something like kind of brewing in my head all day in the van that I feel like I have to get out or want to talk about when I'm on stage and I'll do that or sometimes I'll feel like a, a song kind of has a story that I think is important to the understanding of it mm. uh, because music can be so open-ended. Usually I'll let the songs these days be what they need to be to the people in the audience and just kind of try to communicate with them without spelling out what's going on in the song. Mm. Uh, I think when I was younger, I wanted like a more literal specific point to get across and then i realized that just wasn't going to happen like i remember like this might trail off a little bit but like somebody was after a show like saying how much a song meant to them um and they were like yeah like i had someone cheat on me too and i was like wait what that in my head i'm like that song was about like my estranged father you know like that's not it at all but then i realized in that moment i was like you know what but he had that like experience of his own to that song and like i didn't write about that that's not an experience i've had but 
that's his now, and that kind of view of the song belongs to him. So uh, I think when those kinds of things kept happening, I kind of started letting go of having to give someone like a literal explanation of what something's about and I just kind of go in my zone and I say what I say and sometimes it's really dumb or sometimes it's sincere uh, or sometimes it's nothing at all and I'll just play the songs if I think that's what I need and what the room is feeling like that night. Mm. Um, I guess all that to say I don't have a formula about it but it just feels like less pressing now to tell the specific uh, life stories unless they're super specific songs. Right. Yeah, and I like I like that point you made because it, it is kind of interesting. Like in, in my bands, uh, like we'll occasionally have somebody once in a while say what they think the song is about or ask us what the song is about. And, and uh, it won't quite be what they think it's about, you know, which is, which is interesting in a way, but it is kind of powerful to see that other people can take other meanings out of the songs that you write and find yeah. some sort of reassurance or some sort of like, like a way to cope with whatever meaning they find from it. And I think that's kind of the beautiful thing in most art is that you can sort of interpret it to a way that makes you or gives you that sense of, um, I'm not sure what word I'm trying to say, but it just sort of gives you that feeling of being a, a little bit more okay than what you were before. Totally. I've definitely like adapted that mentality that it belongs to the listener once it's out uh, a lot more. And it's, uh, it's freeing. Like it, it takes some pressure off. Now with, with everything, there are like specific instances where like, some songs, I do think it's important to get uh, the record straight of what songs are about and what they're saying, if it's like on a social level or mm. something like that. But if it's just about like, you know, some feeling, then people can just feel what they need to feel to it. Mm -hmm. And that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. I think, actually, I know a lot of songs that I have had super deep bonds with nothing to do with what I was thinking mm. or where that song took me in my mind. It was just a vehicle to transport me somewhere to help me like work something out in my own mind. And then I go back a couple years later, I'm like reading the lyrics. I'm like, this is, this is nothing about like what I thought it was, mm. but that's okay. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it, it's really unique you know such a unique format in that way mm -hmm. now now let's let's talk a little bit about the gr scene again and in, in terms of where you feel as though you fit into that realm like like i is from what i've seen i mean i think a lot of music scenes tend to have whether or not they think of it that way they tend to sort of have their own little clicks you know like whether it's intentional or not, you know, you get into the, you got your metal click, your punk rock click, your twinkly emo click, you know what I'm saying? Like, but overall from, from an outsider's perspective in, in Grand Rapids, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen a local band that could be on any show with any style of band or music 
where there's not at least five people that know the band are huge fans of the band singing along to a song or two or all of them you know like I've always felt this real tight knit presence within the Grand Rapids music scene. And so what I'm curious to hear is where do you sort of feel like, or I guess two questions, when did you sort of feel like you became a part of it? And two, where do you feel as though your play, place seems like a weird way to put it, but where do you feel as though your place is now in that scene? Yeah, those are two really good questions. Um, so the first one, uh, being like, when, when I felt like I had a place and the second being like what that place is now. Right. Yeah. So I think I felt like I had a place when I had any kind of direct involvement, like when I was 14, when I, when I started playing in like metalcore bands and then indie bands, that's when I felt like I had a place in it. Um, but I think that really shifted. Even Vagabonds has had like a lot of different places within Grand Rapids. And honestly, I don't know if it really fits anywhere within it now. Because like as a person, like not as Vagabonds, but like just as a person, like I feel like hardcore is where I belong hmm. within West Michigan. That's so at odds often with like the kind of music I personally make now mm. and who those people are <laughs> that like enjoy what Vagabonds makes, which is, you know, like indie rock, usually with some strings and things like that. Um, early on, I mean, Vagabonds was playing the hardcore kids. It wasn't like playing the kind of bills that it like should play mm. and uh i think it's always been like maybe a little bit hard to follow i've been told <laughs> kind of where i fall um i don't know if i have a if vagabonds like has a definitive place um which i think kind of shifted when more of the listeners were people that i don't know mm. you know i think there's like a point in a lot of bands um trajectory when the people that are coming to the shows are no longer just like their 10 friends mm. that have kind of made like their own little scene and now when people come out to the shows or like if i'm selling tickets to a local show it's a lot of people i've never met mm. you know like it's it's people that i don't really know their backstories or where they position themselves in the world so it, it's a little bit harder for me to know uh honestly where i fall especially because like the few bands that were like kind of similar have mostly disbanded i guess like the only band from grand rapids i ever toured with was the band oliver houston which disbanded you know uh a while back now uh because for a while i felt like you know i'd be playing shows with them and then i'd be playing shows with like some of the bands that uh, were kind of staples of the upper room, but mm. all of that is kind of disbanded. And uh, now, now there's just different things going on. Um, I think like one band people might associate locally with Vagabonds is that band Ugly Flannel, Ben Wynn's band. Yeah. Um, you know, Ben was a someone I 
I knew from when he was super young. I mean, he's still young, but like when he was super young and uh, I was doing like some youth group stuff and he was like coming out to the youth group and then saw him like kind of build up his songwriting and get a lot better at that. And then, you know, people coming out to his shows and um, I think like sonically, that's one of the closer bands because they're kind of playing this indie rock emo rock kind of thing but um i kind of do feel like a little bit of an island like for better or worse within grand rapids like there's good and bad to it it's good because there aren't a lot of bands doing exactly what vagabonds does here it is a little bit different um it's not like a carbon copy of you know what another local band is doing or regional band but with that, it's also kind of hard to like get a local groundswell mm. where how many bands can I play with here? They'll like make sense on a bill. Right. I can play with like Ugly Flannel. You know, I, like I asked, you know, your band to play like the Pyramid Scheme. I guess like Cheap Emotions, another one that's like might be a little bit closer, um, you know, to like in genre to what I do. But um yeah, it's it's a little bit more more of an island, I think, than it has been in the past. And the people that I feel like I fit with are like maybe a little bit less on a local level anymore for this band specifically. Right. Um, whereas, you know, I'll play in like other hardcore bands that are specifically for the local scene. So they'll like have a definitive place in the local scene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I don't I don't know exactly what my place is and sometimes it bumps me out, sometimes it gets me stoked. Um but you know, when shows were still happening, people were still coming out. Um, mm. the what, opportunities were still good. So one thing I I do kind of want to say one thing about Ugly Flannel because that that I've seen that band I I would say maybe three or four times now. And I don't know if they're still playing, but uh I remember, I feel like I had seen one of their first shows, whether it might've been at a house or like maybe it was the upper room or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking this this band is, you know, this I, I like this sound a lot. I can see there's like some potential here for this band. You know, they were all, I feel like they were kind of younger people in the band. Yeah. And uh, I remember seeing them, I wanna say it was maybe Take Hold Fest one year. Did they did they play Take Hold Fest in the Sanctuary one year? They did. Yeah, yeah. it was a six set. Yeah, and I remember I was watching. I was like, this this band just seems like they've grown so much in that time since I had seen them the mm-hmm. first. And I couldn't. It wasn't that I couldn't believe it, but I was just. I remember feeling very psyched to see. You know, there's a, there's something about when you've played in bands for a while and you see that growth. There there's like, like I remember seeing. Uh, are, you're familiar with the band Greet Death. I, I'm a, I would assume. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I remember seeing them play as Pines, uh, maybe their first or second show. I don't know what it was, but it was at the Flint Local. And then they became this band that everybody just loves now. And it's it's such a, I, that, I think that's one of the things I like the most about this, like this scene in Michigan, like mm-hmm. it's just the work that you get to see that, yeah put into each band and, and there's so many different examples you're one of them too that's just like you you see that work and you see that 
that ability take off and it's just some there's something really cool about that i think within our own little scene yeah Yeah, i think i agree definitely on like what ben and ugly flannel is doing like i was there at like the first shows and you know you could see like the passion was there but the craft hadn't made it yet and when those things finally sync up it's really cool to see and they, they are doing uh more things ben sent me like a new song that they're gonna release sometime this year right on. sending me like the drafts of it like the demo and then the the final mix final master of it it's really good you know right on definitely that's gotten way better that's good to hear that they're still playing cool I feel like with the with the pandemic and there hasn't has I haven't been to a show since last March so I don't even it's hard to keep track of who's still playing or what's even ha- if anybody's still getting together and playing at all it's wild yeah uh, just seeing a lot of bands like publicly go on hiatus mm-hmm. and then a lot of other ones probably just kind of slip away mm-hmm. <laughs> it's easy to do you yeah. know a lot of the time I feel like we're writing songs and practicing songs to play at shows. Mm. And when that motivation dries up, it can be really hard mm-hmm. for specific people to really want to do it, you know? Right. So I get it. But yeah, I also feel like a little bit in the dark, like who who is still doing things, you know? <laughs> I don't go out. <laughs> I don't yeah. talk to people. I'm not on social media right now either. So I'm just like, you know, it's kind of dark. Right. Well, okay. So I, now to get back to what we were talking about, and I do want to put a pin in the idea of social media. Cause I, I talk about that a lot on here. It's like, I, I would like to talk to you about that a little bit, but I kind of want to get back into that. I, I, I don't know if opposition is the right word, but like that, what, where do you find that balance in playing vagabond songs, but also being involved in hardcore or playing like hardcore, like, um, or even like your involvement within like that sort of take hold community where like, I feel like if I was gonna go to a show in Grand Rapids that was more of a hardcore show, it would have been at take hold or a place, you know, somewhere within that um, scene, I guess maybe is the word or like sub scene maybe. Um, where, do you, where do you find that balance in being able to use both of them as an outlet for your creativity? You know, I feel like in my mind, like I'm still just a hardcore kid. Yeah. Like, I don't think of myself as like a great poetic lyricist or, you know, like I'm not Elliot Smith Hmm. or somebody like that. Like, I'm just a hardcore kid that ended up playing something different. That's how I think of it pretty much all the time and i'm always trying to get better at what i do and write uh more well-crafted songs and better songs to listen to but i think it's always kind of bled through a little bit Mm. especially early on like i don't know what the first time you would have seen vagabonds was or what form it would have been in but um it was so intertwined with like hardcore that you know like people were piling on and yelling along and it was me with an acoustic guitar Mm. it's kind of like i i heard this interview with chris conley from saves the day Mm. 
and I, he he kind of had the same kind of thing where he'd be like playing an acoustic guitar and being on tour with like Bane or something like that, and people finger pointing and yelling along. Um, but as as I've like kind of chilled out on what I do or taken a slightly different approach through the years, like the crowd response is very different as I have become someone who like plays a little bit more to the kind of people that listen to this kind of music and not just like my friends in hardcore. Um, you know, like uh, the feedback I get a lot is like the passion in it and like being uh, like so I don't know, honest is an overused word, but like direct in in my music and stuff. That's like something pe people talk to me a lot about. And I think that's something I just get from hardcore. You know, it's just like the 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 no veil, no no bullshit kind of thing that even if I do try to be poetic, I think it still kind of swings towards that, you know, kid that that grew up in that. Mm -hmm. Um so it's it's always like a part of what I do as Vagabonds, even if I'm uh, playing, you know, like a show at Calvin College or something. Mm. Like when I uh, like played there with Julian a few years back, it was like, you know, still like people just like yelling along to the words in this like chapel, um, which has kind of always been like a picture of it. But um yeah, it's always in me, whether or not it's in the crowd and people are still jumping off stage or jumping on each other, which it's less and less um, and not in a bummer way. It just doesn't like if I went to see Pedro the Lion, I don't expect that to happen and that's OK. Mm -hmm. um, but it's still like in me. It's like still in the way I approach it, like whether or not I try to like change my mannerisms, I still kind of just look like that when I watch videos back um and it's just like in like very ingrained into me even as i try to like artistically move on from like what a traditional hardcore kid would do mm. like it, it's just interwoven into how i am you know or i'll start shouting something instead of singing it not because i think that through or i think i'm gonna do it but that's just like my instinct mm. now what do you think when you started to just sort of decide to take this out on the road and do this in other cities, you know, take it away from your hometown where you have that, you know, that blended community of, you know, what, like you're saying, these people who aren't, you know, the, the people in the hardcore scene that come out and watch Vagabonds, they're coming out to watch Vagabonds as this, this other entity, I guess, that isn't the hardcore scene. What I, you know, I sometimes I go so far in a question where I over explain the question and I forget the point of the question I was making. Um, but I, I guess, okay. I do the same thing with answers as, as you've probably seen. <laughs> but uh, so I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to ask is when you, when you brought this out on the road and you're starting to play different cities, different markets and, and such, uh, do you, did you, did it take you a second to sort of get that feeling back or to, was it weird to sort of get a different sensation from the audience than you might have been used to in Grand Rapids? 
Yeah, I mean, it's still weird, like, city to city, the different reactions I get. The the main feeling I got out of the road was adventure. Mm. Like, I never left the Midwest, really, before I toured. It was, like, my ticket out of Grand Rapids to, mm. like, experience different things. And people still uh, react differently in different cities, whether that's because of, like, who I'm playing with on a bill, and it's, like, catered to one specific kind of scene there. Um, you know, or, or if it's like regionally, just how people kind of respond, but, um, yeah, it, it's still always different. Like there isn't like one consistent same response I get all over the place because like, I'm still a small band. Like I'm, you know, I'm still like a small artist growing. Um, it hasn't gotten to this thing where there's like hundreds of people every night that are like all in the same mentality and perception of like what I do. I think people are still like discovering it sure. and like interacting with it in very unique ways, city by city. And that's always like, almost always refreshing unless it's like people talking over it, but it's almost always refreshing to see how different people respond when I am in a different city and people do want to yell along. Cause maybe they saw some YouTube video where other, other people were doing that, you know, but, uh, Sometimes it's just like people sitting on the floor and I'll sit too and I'll just play the songs quietly, mm. um, which kind of goes back to just like playing to the room I'm in. So, um, yeah, I, I try to just embrace like all the different reactions I get when I'm out still um, because it's not a huge project and like I don't know if it ever will be. So I just like I'm excited to see the like unique ways that everybody connects it it city by city sure um one of one of the things that i've really loved about touring and it, it, i guess it isn't necessarily the same for every band i know you and i have a similar experience where like we were able to set up shows in our in our areas and help bands that were coming through and and then a lot of the times that would end up turning into like that band that came through town if we were trying to come through their town, then they would set, you know, help us set something up. Yeah. Do, you, do you feel like being in Grand Rapids sort of helped your ability to get out into the world a little better, given that you had this city with, you know, spaces and people that were, you know, willing to help and, you know, bring other bands through like, like that, that, that to me, touring sort of helps you form these weird relationships with people in like that you you know you see them twice a year but they somehow become the closest people in your life even more so than people who are in your life every day so right. do you do you feel like was that ever an aspect of touring that really sort of opened something up for you about as far as like the community wise within music yeah absolutely i mean for one like just booking shows i don't think i would have been able to make tours happen like in the way that i did for a long time because i just don't think i would have known the people to even get out mm. you know there's only so many people that you can like punish in an inbox to book your band that you've never met that will help you with the show mm. like a lot of the time it is just like the good faith of a friend saying yeah i'm gonna bring this through mm. um and a lot of the time that has been because, you know, they played 
the upper room more. They played my house in high school, you know, when I would have like shows in my room. Mm. Um, and if I hadn't done that, it definitely would have been a lot harder. Um, and I think like what you're talking about with those friendships that so rings true. Um, like I made so many friends, especially like around the time that I started touring that were so uh, like deep in connection because it was so fresh for everyone. Mm. Like there were all these bands that were around my age. We had all just graduated high school. And th I think those people that I met on like those earlier tours when I was like 18 to 20, those are a lot of people that really stick in my life, I think, because we were having this like collective experience of like learning about ourselves outside of our cities, mm. outside of like the way people had known us um, and doing what we love and having an adventure at the same time all of that just kind of creates this recipe for like these lasting bonds that like I had sent out Christmas cards um, the past month and almost all of them were just to people I met because music like I think almost every person who's like uh, like a confidant is someone I met through music in one way or the other. Um, yeah, yeah, like the, the community has like been such a lasting thing in my life. And it's also something that I've been like maybe irrationally like afraid of losing a little bit. Um, like I kind of have had a little bit of a fear of like, man, like, well, for one, home is nice too. Being, I'm 24 now, you know, and home is kind of nice. Mm -hmm. And like, not like I'm gonna drop out or something, but you know, I see a lot of bands breaking up or people moving on just because it doesn't happen. And then people get, you know, to other places in their life and then they move on. So I've had a little bit of a fear of like falling out of touch with people that I, you know, th that I've had these bonds with. Um, and I have been thinking this, like, pandemic era a little bit of, like, man, like, I just really hope when we come out the other side of this, like, so-and-so is still around. Like, when I go to that city, like, I hope I'm still crashing on their couch mm. um, instead of, like, having to completely like rebuild it which again it might be irrational but that's like a thought i've had of like i hope that what i've gotten told doesn't slip so i've tried to be intentional with those people like i took took one trip this year when uh the pandemic kind of uh when the numbers were going down and hadn't even like been over a friend's houses really or anything and i just made like uh stops uh in like louisville and nashville to just like walk out in nature with my friends mm. and uh you know hit up maybe like 10 friends that week and uh just like went out and got a cup of coffee or like you know walked around a lake or went hiking with them um just so that like those important people that have been in my life would still be there and kind of to remind myself that like I still exist.
mm. outside of this too because that's something I've kind of I wouldn't say I've like quite been teetering on losing it but it's not so forthright in my mind like that I exist as a person in other people's like minds and lives outside of my work mm. and my room um so like going on that trip was huge for me because it reminded me that like these people are still here mm. and they're still important to me and I'm still important to them even though you know maybe we haven't hung out all night or gone on you know a cross-country drive or something like mm-hmm. they're still there and right. uh yeah yeah I think for a big thing for me too and then I uh, I feel like a lot of there's a lot of carryover over episodes where things get talked about a few episodes in a row and so I, I recorded okay. an episode uh yesterday where I think this was mentioned but um a thing a thing that's really beautiful for me with the friendships I've made in music was that they're very they're very effortless in a way like so when you you know like for example you're saying you know you go to Louisville Nashville you see these friends and you you get the chance to see you know them again and see like they're still there you're still here and I think there's something really beautiful about the friendships that you make you know with people that are also doing something that you have this common interest or common you know passion for and it brings you together like there are friends you know that I have in Chicago who I've met through music that I probably haven't talked to in months but I know the second I go to Chicago again and I see them it'll be like I I saw them yesterday you know like there's there's something really uh beautiful and pure to me about that um where like yeah, there's a lot of people that I've met doing this, you know, silly little thing, being in a in a punk band somewhere. And like, mm-hmm. I just don't feel like I really have to, it, it, well, saying it like this kind of sounds bad, but I really don't feel like I have to try. You know what I mean? Like I can just mm-hmm. see them and say, oh, hey, how, how are you? This is great. It's so nice to see you. And th- that, that feeling you get, even if it's for a day or an afternoon or a night, you know, like it's still like that. There's just something really, beautiful and I, I feel like music has really brought that out or that those friendships out in my life I think yeah totally and to that point too it's funny because like there are probably close friends of mine that I've only hung out with in person like a dozen times versus like the people I'll see you know like a hundred times at shows in Grand Rapids who are still just like acquaintances funny how that works you know yeah um all right so i have one more i guess it's a a topic so to speak and then i got a couple uh lightning questions for you and then we probably wrap up so uh not that we're gonna wrap up immediately i just uh setting a tone for the remainder of the podcast i suppose yeah for sure one one thing i'm interested in that hasn't really come up a lot um is music in sort of a religious sense now, and I don't, I don't know if this is particularly like that, if that's your aim now, but was, you know, you mentioned, you know, your youth group or, you know, being a, you know, religious growing up, you could only listen to, you know, tooth and nail Christian rock bands. Right. In your songwriting, do you feel as though that 
might come through a little bit that aspect of religion or some sort of thing like like that might come through in your music at all yeah totally i think it's the language i speak mm -hmm. whether or not i partake in the tradition or uh, am actively practicing it which is kind of like another like longer conversation um it's not something i don't like i don't think i can really divorce myself from it sure it's just a part of how i relate to the world so without trying you know still when i write songs like religious uh imagery will be used in the lyrics and things like that and that doesn't necessarily believe like or doesn't mean like I believe something or not. It just means that's the language I speak. Sure. And that's uh, how I know how to communicate. And it's not something I'm like bummed about as I have, um, I suppose, like gone off like the beaten path of the tradition I was raised in, uh, in some regards, in, in others not, but in some regards, definitely. Um, you know, it's just part of like what, makes my voice unique in this you know and i'm not like ashamed of that i'm not like mad about that it's just a part of who i am you know Did, was there ever do you feel like there was ever maybe a time where you and and i don't mean this in a bad way i guess but was there ever a time where you maybe did feel some sort of shame for having like put that into your art in itself like and i mean that in a sense that like Punk, punk rock can be a, an interesting thing in terms of religion, where like there are people who are very adamantly not in that realm. And then there are people who, you know, don't care. They could go, you, you know, they're pretty middle ground, I suppose. And then there are people yeah. who are maybe hiding those aspects because they don't want people who are adamantly against them to, I don't, I don't know, maybe poke fun or not take them as seriously or look like in a in a down like sort of look down at them in a weird way does that ever do you ever get that feeling just with that with it being like you said the, the language that you speak was there ever sort of that fear or that uneasiness with that uh i mean people have definitely made fun of it hmm. for that point you know people have made assumptions about like who i am or what i believe um based off of it and those kinds of things don't feel good mm. at all. But um, yeah, I don't think I've been like ashamed of it. I think there are things I look back at in songs that like aren't even on the internet anywhere anymore <laughs> that I'm just like, you know what? I don't think that way. I don't have that lens anymore. Um, you know, that. But but I just look at it as like, a piece of me figuring it all out sure it's you know it's no different than like if i you know were like uh extremely adamant about being atheist that would just be in and i wrote songs from that view like that's just another part of me figuring it out mm. um and i yeah i try and remove like that kind of judgment from my writing 
uh, especially with regards to like what I believe at a certain time, which has changed throughout the course of this band. Like there have been times where maybe I would have said I was agnostic, times I would have said I'm a Christian, and uh, times more like now where I feel like I just kind of embrace the mystery of it all mm-hmm. and am uh, okay with that and have found peace in that but I don't usually look at the steps and um, think man like you know that was dumb of me to think you know some people have thought it's dumb of me to think and that's okay mm-hmm. you know that's part of putting your public thoughts on display somebody's always going to think it's lame or dumb mm-hmm. um, that's all right I see shit that I see other people thinking and I think man that's dumb but that's okay <laughs> you know I can't I can't think I'm like this like exclusion to the rule you know um, it's just a part of like putting putting yourself out there and trying to not place judgment on yourself um, even when other people you know mm-hmm. um, but yeah with that said like it's it's always going to be intertwined at some at some point with within myself whether it's me picking it all apart or putting it all together again it's just a part of uh what makes me me right okay (laughs) i like that i like that answer a lot um yeah that that's just something i'm curious i don't get i don't tend to get uh like people on here who lean in a more like spiritual sense or like have that as part of their life i guess in a way and i and i'm just always kind of curious when sort of worlds mix and collide you get these these lapses of sort of judgment like you like you say or like you can you know you can't control what people feel and i just get curious about things like that sometimes yeah i always think it's sick when the two overlap like the spiritual and the music world because like to me, the feelings I got when I thought I was having spiritual experiences or was having spiritual experiences, very similar to what I experience in music. Like I think on some level that I can't comprehend without getting like too, you know, heady or whatever about it. Like I think they overlap a lot. Like I think they're, I think they kind of come from similar sources you know, mm-hmm. speak to, like, the human spirit in a different way. So, like, whether it's somebody, like, uh, in a band that's, like, Hare Krishna-oriented, mm-hmm. like, I think that's sick. Or, you know, whatever the belief is, or, like, see the overlap of, like, Buddhism and hardcore pretty often, too. Like, I think that's awesome, seeing those things, like, intertwine. It's just, like, part of someone's personal actualization. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love it. Like, some people think it's, like, corny mm. and that's fine like you know they've got their own thing that like is theirs mm-hmm. but i think it's cool right right on yeah i like i like that um well okay so i'm gonna do i felt like i had another thing i was gonna ask you about that but i it slips me so media? if it oh yeah yep exactly <laughs> um now you're you mentioned at, while we were setting this up too uh, that you were sort of on a break from social media, and being that in the you know the path that we've taken, social media is kind of an important aspect of it. Um, you know how you market yourself, how you put your content out there into the world. What do you 
how do you use social marketing, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the, we'll say the TikTok now, I guess, too. That's a popular one. But uh, how do you use your social media and find that balance of having to promote yourself while also using it in its main form, which is, you know, kind of our everyday way of communication now? Like, do you, do you feel there's a weird balance or is it easy for you to take a break like this? You can find yourself knowing when you need some time away from it. I hate plugging my stuff. <laughs> I've done it for 10 years and I hate it. Mm -hmm. And that's like, I just don't like selling things. Like I don't like selling like my personal thoughts and um but the truth of it is like you have to to an extent like if you don't want to like spend thousands of dollars on something on like making a record like you actually do have to sell it if you don't want to be thousands of dollars in the red um so it's it's kind of like a necessary evil um to like push that or like you know hey go check out my spotify you know follow mm -hmm. me on there like i don't like doing that um i think i have yet to find a way to do it that actually <laughs> reflects how i actually feel mm -hmm. truly about it um yeah i i like things like this right like where we're actually having a conversation i like more conversational points mm -hmm. Um, or I guess I do like sometimes like kind of like micro blogging with like social media for vagabonds, um, which I'm sure bores some followers to tears because they're probably like, Jesus Christ, like, why is this guy writing like, a, you know, a paragraph and a half for every caption, you know, but uh, that's what I like doing more with it is like writing out my thoughts about something instead of just like, here's a cool graphic. Here's the link in the bio. I have to do that to some degree because it's part of it now. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I don't like really enjoy that. I think, and I think like with this project specifically, I do think what people have connected with is like the stories in the music to some degree or another. Um, and it's not because like the merch looks sick or like you know and it's flashy or like the hook is so good you know or anything like that um you know so like it has been weird to not tour because i feel like the way i've grown is not social media mm -hmm. like i don't other than like tumblr a little bit back in the day like when i first started touring i felt like that was a really good outlet for it for a little while because i could like more blog on there right. and do like more like q a stuff um and i liked that actually at the time um but now like the way in that like post tumblr whatever and kind of post facebook which is also a more conversational platform um now the way it grows is touring and like being up in front of people and having that connection like i'm not a flashy person in like what i do 
and I don't have a lot to like sell people on me like being something like sensational or cool or like then like any kind of big thing. I just have like these stories and the chords and some melodies and like that's what I've got to give to people. So it is hard for me. Like I don't have like a huge like third this is not to discount the people that follow me. Like I you know, that's like awesome that there are the number that there are, but I'm not like I don't have like a hundred thousand followers or something. Mm. You know, I'm not like extremely grabbing. Um also with that, like there's kind of a pressure to like consistently be putting stuff out mm. on the internet, like to help algorithms or whatever to just like keep doing it. Um and I think one thing is I've gotten to a place where I'm just like, man, I am just like what I do right now is I go to work and I write songs in my room. There's like not a ton in between that. Mm -hmm. There's like not some crazy lineup I'm on. There's like not a new record. There's not all these things that would be like exciting for people to see on social media. And I was like, this is kind of a good time for me to unplug for it for a little bit because for 10 years of my life, I've been checking social media every day and I just want to have my own thoughts. And when I do think I'm doing something interesting or like not even interesting, but just like worth like putting out there, I'll share it. Um, and I think being away from it is kind of helping me to be more creative and like to spend more time like reading a book which will influence a song or things like that um like i feel more in touch with myself and not like i have to like perform to a screen sure. like garner some sort of attention mm -hmm. which i'm not even very good at like if i'm being blunt like i know my strengths and weaknesses at this point and, and like i'm not an influencer you know <laughs> i'm a, yeah. a songwriter yeah it does seem to like because for me personally i i'm in a similar boat where like you know i right now yeah that's i i work and then i i might do this or i might you know i gotta do some other hobbies or something around the house but overall my life isn't so overwhelming that it needs to be shared with the world and so when I do share, it's typically to promote something. And I feel I get this weird sense of like, this is only what people know me for is this like, oh, he posted another podcast again. Oh, he's, he's posting about this show here. And, and I, and I feel like I wish I had more things like social media does that for me where I see people post a lot and it makes me wish I had more things to talk about or post, but it's also fine too. Like I don't, you don't need to say every thought that comes to your mind or need to immediately have this impact on the internet. Sometimes it's okay to take a beat and not be on the internet for a while. You know what I mean? Like, I think I, I really like what you're like, you're saying like, you know, maybe take this time to, you know, stay away from that. Cause like you said, for 10, 10 years, that's all you've done. So like, the, the idea that you could feel comfortable stepping away from it is, is I, I can admire that because there's not a lot of people who would even think to do that. You know what I mean?
Yeah, and and a lot of people who are probably right in a way would probably tell me it's like a bad idea. Mm. But I the way I see this now is like I'm kind of doing this for the long haul. Mm. Like I'm just going to keep doing this because it makes me feel full. And if it really takes off, that's really cool. And if it just keeps going on this slow incline that it's kind of been on the whole time, that's okay too. And like a month off of social media when literally not a single show is happening here, it's not going to destroy me. Um, Because, yeah, I think especially like with the pandemic, like it's like a good time to like grow online, which I agree with to to an extent. Um, you know, it is like kind of a good time to like get more people following or like find unique ways to connect with people. But um, yeah, I just wanted to be with my thoughts and not feel like I had to like conjure something to feed to people because I felt like not like I feel like I've been disingenuous with it. Like I always try to po- like post when I think there's something like a cool picture I took or, or like a part of a song I'm working on or a cover. Like things that are like worth worth it. But um, yeah, I just wanted to take that pressure off to like conjure to like be something interesting mm. when I feel like my life is extremely normal. Right. Like I would just rather like lose myself in the song in my room and uh and like really fall into that and then maybe when that's like really good i can put that out there to kind of bring somebody else into that that world or that headspace that i was in when i was writing mm-hmm. that's fulfilling for me right yeah there's something i i forget who says it but there's a quote where you know like all all it is is sort of having a life worth commenting on but I think we forget to make that life when we're forcing it on social media. You know, the life, the life, the life we sort of contrive into our Facebook account or Twitter account isn't necessarily the the life that you could comment on, being that you're you're putting all that focus into just sort of like you said, sort of conjuring up something that's not genuine. Um, but yeah, I, I I really like that point of view. Um, I think, all right, so I'm going to do a lightning round. Unless you have more to say about social media, we can talk about anything, really. Um, Dude, I mean, not really, other than I hope I didn't drag too much in places. And I don't know, give you some, you some like, good stuff to share with, like, your your followers, you know, that you're putting this out for. Like, I hope there's, like, something to glean, because sometimes, you know, like I said before we started rolling, I say, um, a lot. Or I'll get off point a little bit. Like, I hope it's it's been a good, uh, a good conversation for me. It's been really nice and really refreshing. Sure. So, I'm I glad hope it has been for for oh, you too. Absolutely. I I love the thing I love about doing these things is it's really put in perspective what a conversation is. Maybe not even supposed to be, but that because you know you that's what a conversation is you know you you start off on a point and then it gradually gets off on these other tangents and other points and you know to to have it sort of just be in a recorded form you can really 
I, there's something cool about that to me. I, I, even if, even if, you know, we do say a lot of ums and ahs and whatnot, I think it's just, yeah. that's the genuine, I think people get more out of the genuine aspect than a polished edited, taken out the, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah. When I'm, when I'm talking to my Instagram story, dude, I do that like five fucking times and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm by the end of it. This is, this is the real you know, for anybody listening, this is the real, boring, normal, um, routine. All right. So, all right. So I'll, I'm just going to fire out questions is as they come to me. Some of them are a little bit planned, I suppose. Um, but we'll yeah. just see what happens. Um, what has been, let's start off with Vagabonds. What has been the most fulfilling or rewarding experience you've had with vagabonds and it doesn't that seems that might seem like a big question it could be any number of things or anything that just sort of sticks out to you about something that happened yeah i think the ones that come to mind immediately are uh a little bit vain of just like people that have really inspired me mm. like not only knowing what i do but liking it mm. like one of those and i like i don't want to be name dropping because it's not huge it's just like cool to me but like when i went to see pedro the lion on the reunion like that's one of my favorite bands of all time mm-hmm. it's my first time actually seeing that incarnation and then like shouting out vagabonds when like we weren't on the bill just like during the show like that felt fucking huge to me because yeah. I was like, that's someone I look at who's like a really thoughtful, incredible lyricist to like be acknowledged in any capacity is like very huge. And then like during the quarantine, like I got like a DM from an artist that like I grew up listening to, absolutely extremely influential to me um, that liked my ep and like that was huge for me um yeah those things stand out in those like those moments right on no i think that's great i don't think that's vain at all i there's there's definitely something too in maybe in a validation sense or just like you know you 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 get influenced or you really like these artists and then to have them really sort of recognize you that's that's amazing that that would make anyone feel good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the first few Vagabond shows, I was literally like doing Defeater covers and then like getting asked by Defeater to like play out with them. Like that kind of stuff is like really cool to me. Like that kind of full circle stuff. Oh yeah. Um, When I look back at like, what was I thinking about when I started this? Like, who, who were the people I was, like, unintentionally ripping off or, like, nodding to or covering? Like when those people, like, acknowledge it, it just, in, in a positive way, like, it just, it feels really fulfilling. Or if I, like, get that reaction at a show and there's, like, a ton of people singing along, like, in the videos that I watch of other bands, like, growing up, those are also those, like, standout moments. Right. Uh, what are some of your favorite cities to tour through or play in? 
And it doesn't even necessarily have to be music wise. It could just be you like going to those cities or something like that. Yeah, I love the West Coast. I don't know why I don't live there other than money <laughs> um, and having to find new friends. Um, but uh, like being in the Redwoods, like on off days in between shows, like that's the stuff that I think is so cool about touring. It's like I get to experience that stuff that I normally never would. Um, so like being in the West Coast and or like being in L.A., uh, and drinking just insane amounts of, you know, the best coffee in the country. Um, like, I love going there, uh, going to San Diego and, like, going to La Jolla Cove, uh, where all the seals and sea lions are. Like, that's one of my favorite things to do. And being in Portland and Seattle, both of them, because I usually hit them back to back two of my favorite cities just the coolest stuff i love everywhere like beautiful nature like top tier coffee um cool stores cool skate parks both of those cities have it and i just go nuts when when i'm there right on i i it's it's funny that you mentioned that i remember i went on a trip a couple years ago where i was out on the west coast and uh, I, re going, I remember going to a few spots out there, nature walks and things like that, but it was my first real adventure without my band, you know? And I remember being at places and thinking, man, I wish my band was here. Like, I, like there was something about, you know, experiencing things on your own is cool too, but when you get so comfortable going to a place for the first time with a specific group of people or like, you know, in that sense, you like, I, I definitely, there were times where I was like, man, I think that I might have more fun here if I was sharing it with these people that I've seen other parts of the country with, but that it, it all the same, I guess, travel is travel, but there, there is something about an off day where you ex just explore a city with, with people you're comfortable with and you can experience it together. That's really beautiful, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, what was a show that you booked in Grand Rapids or like that maybe was one that just where you you felt really proud to be from where you're from if that made sense I think it did would, would it have to be like one I played or didn't play but just like on the booking end of it yeah yeah you, it doesn't have to be one you played just maybe one you helped set up or were involved in in some way where like you brought a band that you were you know, really passionate about or good friends with where you could, you know, you kind of were able to come through for them in a way that was really like made you proud of to be from the, that scene. Yeah, one show I always look back on that wasn't exclusively me booking it. It was like in collaboration with a friend of mine. It was, it was an upper room show at the original space. Mm. Um, and uh, it, uh, my friend Garrett Cabello uh, kind of booked part of it. I booked part of it, and we got it at that space. And it was uh, Xerxes and Collision Blonde had just come out. So Xerxes, Rap Boys, Oliver Houston, and Vagabonds for nice. like a kind of rare full band Vagabond show at the time. Nice. I was at that, that show, show packing up, dude. That, that, that was a, a lot of fun. 
Yeah, it was a great show. I loved that one. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, that's that's one of the ones that comes to mind. I'll leave it at that. It's all right around. That was a great show. Nice. I hung out. I remember hanging out after that show. I think we went to Johnny B's, and uh, with, with and, and Rap Boys was there too. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't remember which member it was, but there was a time where there was a maybe they were just out there, but there was a member that was in also in dowsing at the time. Maybe I can't think of who it was, mm-hmm. but uh, they dowsing had put me on a shirt at one point in their in their merch uh, career. That's I, so funny. It, it, it's wild to me because there was a show in Kalamazoo that my band had played and these two people were just making out the entire time. Like anywhere you went, they were there on a chair, on a car somewhere. And uh, I took a picture going like this in front of them, just like it's just a silly thing because we thought it'd be funny. And I was wearing a dowsing shirt when this happened. And uh, the Eric from dowsing had seen it and they just made it into a shirt. And I guess they brought it on their a tour they did in Europe. And I remember him sitting there across from me, figuring out that I was the guy that was on that shirt and him saying, man, we took that shirt to Europe and nobody bought it. People must have hated you. And it was so funny. That was so funny. That was just a memory I have from after, after that show. Um, Dude, that's hilarious. Yeah. You'll have to send me like a link to that, like a picture of that shirt. Oh yeah, I'll see that. I'll see if I can find it. It's got to be up somewhere, but yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can find it and send it to you. It, it was a pretty silly moment in my life um, that just seemed really strange that it all went down that way. But uh, all right, one, I got one more question for the lightning round. Okay. What What are your goals uh, in terms of where you'd like to see vagabonds? go in the next you know however long really what just what are some goals that you'd like to see yourself put out there yeah um i usually have like an insane list like i just keep exhaustive lists of things including goals um so there are like a lot of them i have like a a bucket list i have like yearly goals i set out um but really kind of what falls before any of them is I just want to really get better as a writer. It's become a lot more about just writing songs that I really believe in um, versus, oh, I think this song's cool. I think people are going to sing along to it, which was a little bit more of how it was when I started it. Now I, I really just want to be the best writer I can. I want to put out music that uh, I'm proud of and hopefully can be proud of long-term, which is possibly impossible um, at some point that I won't resent what I've made. But um, that's that's most of it. And I, um, I really want to be able to... Uh, to like tour overseas that's a big one for me nice. um yeah and finish this lp it's so hard to write a second lp it's so much harder than the first one was and that one was hard <laughs> but uh yeah I, those are the things just make make good records that are that sit well inside of me 
right on. I like that. Bring them places. Nice. Well, all right. Uh, so we're going to wind down. I got one more question, but it, I know you said you hate plugging yourself, but this is usually where I ask. Uh, so where can people hear Vagabonds? And is there anything that you would like to promote in a general sense? Maybe something that you're not even involved in, just something you're passionate about or like that you enjoy that you want people to know about? Well, people can listen to Vagabonds on all the major streaming platforms, mm. for sure. Um, and just for people to listen to the things within the past year, th those are my favorite things I've made. So the Liminal Space EP, and then last month uh, put out, I put out a song for uh, someone that I, I lost over the summer um, that was kind of just an important one for me to uh release not like release the song but just like to release from myself so um those are important ones for me and i think they're the easiest things to listen to that i made as well um as far as what other people are creating well i mean i don't want to too much double up on uh one we talked about earlier but i do know ugly flannel is going to be putting out something okay and uh out of like the local bands, you know, I think they conduct themselves in a pretty good way. Like, um, they, uh, they try and write really good songs and, um, they go for it. I think more than a lot of other bands do right now. So, uh, I would tell people to just keep an eye out for what they're going to do. Cause they're, they're a young band and, um, you know, they haven't been able to tour much and for, for people to be able to hear like bands starting out like that, it was always like a huge deal for me. Um, and I kind of see them like being one of the bands that'll carry the torch over the next few years in Grand Rapids personally. So right on. Keep keeping an eye out for them. Right on. Oh yeah. All right. So the last question, and this is more so um, where I just sort of leave it for you to give yourself a piece of advice, something that you, so you can listen back on this and hear, you know, maybe it's something you, you might need to hear, or even if it's something you might need to hear right now, you can, you can look back on this and say to yourself, Hey, Luke, this, you know what I mean? So uh, to end it, we're, this, this is how we'll end it. We'll give you a chance to speak to yourself, your future self. Yeah, I think the thing I have to just consciously tell myself more and more and that I'll need to hear is that uh, I need to to hold things with more open hands mm. when I'm creating, when I'm creating with people. Um, I've, I have a tendency to uh, live in my head a little bit. And sometimes that uh, translates into like getting really attached to like an idea of like how things are going to go or like, wow, this person talked to me about doing this tour or this guy from this label talked to me about this and then it doesn't happen. Um, I think I just need to really hold that with more open hands and let things fall where they do or even people that like play with me like 
um, like in the past, you know, I've been like, oh, I think I've got a lineup. And then people move or people graduate college and life happens and I've gotten bummed. Or people just want to do different things and I've gotten bummed. And just to like hold that with more open hands, like the people that are going to, you know, sacrifice their time to pour into these songs I've created to just really um, appreciate it while it's happening mm -hmm. and not try to hold it so much. You know, I think that's, uh, I don't know if that's been a shortcoming or what to call it, but that's something that I've, I need to keep learning all the time, just in life in general, but especially as a, a creative person, um, even in writing the songs, like at some point I just have to let go of the song that's been so important to me and just let it be and let it go out or like the list of the hundreds of songs I was on it today. I have a spreadsheet on Google of like 150 songs I've written in the past couple of years and I get so hung up on they aren't done. I can't show people. And I think I just need to like, just let it be, let it go more. Mm. But that's, that's my biggest thing. Just learn to, uh, you know, let things pass, appreciate them, value them, but uh, let things unfold how they're going to. Mm. Right on. I like that. Very cool. Well, hey, hey, thank you for doing this. Thank you again. I really enjoyed talking to you. Dude, same. This was really nice. Um, yeah, thanks so much for having me. I hope I get to see you uh, in real life sometime soon. Yeah, yeah, maybe when this is or all, like, we can do that pyramid scheme gig that never came to be. Dude, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was so stoked for that one. Well, the nice thing is if they plan it on the same date, we still have the tickets that we got for it, so we can just go. Yeah, just postpone two years. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Yeah. Thank you again. Yeah, take care. Um, if I'm not back on socials yet, just send me like a link to when this goes up. For sure. And uh, you know, I'll I'll share it with people then. Hell yeah. So yeah, thanks for having me, dude. I hope you're doing well, and I'm glad uh, you asked me to do this. It was really yeah, nice. Absolutely.